0: As a documentary filmmaker, you have tackled serious issues like the gender gap in the tech world or the phenomenon of unconscious bias. You jumped when you were offered the chance to screen your films for foreign audiences, but worried about how well they would be understood in radically different cultures. What you found, though, was an even more elemental thread that bound you and your audiences together. You're listening to 2233, a podcast of exchange stories.
1: I was in Cambodia. I was waiting for a rickshaw. I had an appointment eight blocks away. It was pouring down torrential rain. And then a woman walked up who had a very young child in her arms. She was also trying to hail a a rickshaw to get to where she was going. When the rickshaw came up, I realized that she was sort of burdened with baggage and and babies and everything. And I told her, you know, go ahead, you, you take this one. I sort of just gestured. Neither of us spoke each other's language. She insisted that I take it. And so... In the end, we ended up sharing it. We couldn't communicate other than through smiles and through gestures. And she helped me by telling the rickshaw driver to go around a few blocks to make sure that I was dropped off first. It's little acts of kindness like that that I think make the world go around. I'll never forget that woman.
0: This week, finding common ground in a tiny fishing village. Life-changing eye contact in Bahrain and breaking down biases, one screening at a time. Join us on a journey from the United States all around the world, showing strength through vulnerability. It's 2233.
1: We report what happens in the United States, warts and all. These exchanges shaped who I am. When you get to know these people, they're not quite like you. You read about them. They are people very much like ourselves. And... Oh, that's what we call cultural exchange. Ooh, yes. Hi, I'm Robin Hauser. I'm a documentary filmmaker. I make cause-based films. Two of the most recent films I've made was Code, Debugging the Gender Gap and Bias, which is a film about unconscious bias. I'm from San Francisco, California, and I'm a diplomat for the American Film Showcase. The American Film Showcase is a program sponsored by USC School of Cinematic Arts and the State Department that takes filmmakers from the U.S. and uh, sends them abroad so that they can share their work, their films, uh, overseas, primarily through U.S. embassies all over the world. When I made a film called Code Debugging the Gender Gap, we caught the attention of policymakers and tech companies pretty much all over the world, Um, especially in Washington, DC. I think we were the first people to come out with a documentary film about the lack of diversity in tech. And so our timing was very good. It came out in 2015. I was asked by the White House. It was the White House Initiative for Educational Excellence for African-Americans and this was under the Obama administration, had invited me to come back and screen the film in the executive offices. And I think the State Department then heard about the film, and they approached me. They said, this is something that we think uh, would be really good for the American Film Showcase. Uh, Would you consider being part of the program? And, of course, I jumped on it. I've been fortunate to have traveled a lot in my life. I started traveling when I was 18. I lived abroad in France with school year abroad. And I think that starting back then, what I realized is that it's probably not unique to Americans, but that we tend to be somewhat ethnocentric. We tend to believe that our way of doing things is the right way of doing things. And through experiences of traveling, whether it's with American Film Showcase or you know on my own, I really learned to pause. And when I see something done in a different way, to try to get to the root of why this culture does it in that particular way. How it's different, it might be different than sort of the American way of doing things, but there's gotta be value and reason behind it. I've learned acceptance, I've learned a lot of tolerance, and I think more than anything, I've learned empathy and compassion. What's most fascinating to me about screening a film in front of a foreign audience is what they react to, what they don't react to. So as a filmmaker, I like to infuse humor into the films that I make. Now, my films are cause-based films. They're pretty heavy subjects, right? Unconscious bias, the lack of diversity in tech. And so infusing a little bit of humor here and there is an important thing to do so that the audience doesn't feel victimized, uh, just to sort of bring everyone together. And to show everyone that I, as a filmmaker, also have a sense of humor about this. So what's fascinating about screening to a foreign audience is that they don't tend to laugh where you think they're going to. And they do laugh sometimes when you don't expect them to. And it makes me think, what was so funny about that? So trying to view the film through their eyes is interesting. In Bahrain, or in Cambodia, or in Thailand, Peru, uh, it's not always the same. And so maybe where they laugh at the film versus where I would laugh or where they're shocked by something, um, it's fascinating to, to watch and see the difference. My first concern was whether or not it would be a universal dilemma. The film itself is very specific about the lack of diversity in the tech world. The lack of women, the lack of people of color, in tech in the United States. We didn't have the budget to travel abroad to really bring sort of the international world into the film. It was a very specific film. And yet what absolutely fascinates me now is that since 2015, the film has been to 82 countries. We've subtitled it in, I think, 14 different languages. My team and I had absolutely no idea that it would have such universal... Uh, acceptance, really. And I think what we realize now is that we hit upon issues that women and people of color face not just in tech, but across industries, and not just in the United States, but these are issues that women and people of color face all over the world. I did a program with American Film Showcase in Cambodia, which was really exciting for me. I'd never been to Cambodia. I'd spent some time in Japan, but in sort of my recent life, I hadn't been to Asia. So I jumped on this opportunity. And we did some screenings for uh, the Ministry of Education, for the government officials in uh, Phnom Penh. We did some big screenings at schools. That all made sense to me. But one day I was asked to go out to a fishing village and to take the film out there. So we traveled for three and a half hours to get to a very small fishing village. And I mean small, like you could see the whole thing standing on one corner. And I walked in, there was an American expat that ran sort of a cafe bar. And this is where we were gonna do the screening. And he said that he had some people that were studying English and wanted to see the film. And it quickly realized that he actually hadn't seen the film himself. Now we had it subtitled in Khmer, but it's still a pretty heady intellectual film. We screened the film, there were about 35 people in the theater, and it wasn't even a theater, in the cafe, right? The wind's blowing, it's torrential downpour outside, it's about 95 degrees out. We screened the film and I'm looking around and trying to assess how much people in the room were absorbing the content of the film. And the host, the American expat, leaned over to me at one point and said, oh boy, I'm not sure why... We brought this film here. This is, I don't think they can relate. Most of these people don't even have computers. So when the film was over, I knew I had my work to do in terms of the post-screening discussion to try to make it relevant to them. And as I started out just slightly apologetically, I think I started out by saying, well, this is an issue that we have in the United States. And one woman in the back raised her hand. She was Cambodian. She raised her hand and she said, sorry, my English isn't good. I... I'm school teacher. I only have computer last year. I don't know what coding is, but I know what being a woman is. And thank you, because I feel more powerful now. And I'll tell you the chills that I got all over my body. To me, that was just, that's what it was all about. It was this moment of connection. We spoke different languages. We have completely different cultural backgrounds. And yet in that moment, we were both women. And regardless of the fact that the film was about, you know, how important it is to incentivize women to study coding and STEM subjects, something that she'll never do. And the fact that I couldn't appreciate the fact that her father was a fisherman, and what it was like to be teaching English in this very rural, small Cambodian town. We both had this moment of connection, understanding what it's like to be a woman in a male-dominated world. It was a very powerful moment for me. I think that all of these experiences abroad leave a little bit of, or a lot of bit, <laughs> of impression on me. Whether there's something that's tangible that I can say right now, or whether it's something that just impacts me in more of subtle ways, without a doubt, I think it's made me a more open-minded, a more understanding and empathetic person. It's, it's re- they're really rich experiences to be able to go over and talk to high schoolers or talk to women my age, or women just entering into the work world. I had another opportunity to go with the State Department to Bahrain, I've never been to the Middle East before. So this was another opportunity that I jumped on. I was giving a lecture at the Royal University of Bahrain. And half of the students in the room came over from Saudi Arabia. And the women in Saudi Arabia were completely shrouded in burqa. All I could see was uh, their eyes. The women from Bahrain might have had a scarf over their head, but they were much more exposed. I could see their entire face. And here I am talking about unconscious bias on stage. And I caught myself diverting my eyes from the side of the room that was, as I call it, very dark because they were shrouded in dark burqa. And I caught myself sort of mid-sentence, realizing that I was being biased, that I wasn't really giving that side of the room as much attention because it was intimidating to me. And so I made an effort, sort of one of these split-second decisions in my mind as I was on stage. And I looked over and I picked out one woman and I looked right into her eyes and I just smiled. And she lifted her head and sort of nodded at me with acknowledgement. And again, it was this very powerful moment because I thought, she knows I can't see her mouth. She knows she had to give some sort of gesture of encouragement to me, that yes, she was following me. Yes, she was with me. Yes, she appreciated what I was saying. And I had this moment of appreciation that there's a woman under that robe. There's a woman who understands what I'm saying because we're both women. And from that moment forward, when I was walking through the lobby, walking down the street, I did not divert my eyes from women that were shrouded. I looked at their eyes and smiled. And so I caught myself in a bias and that was really impactful for me. And I have, you know, moving forward, when I see a woman who is shrouded, I have a a whole different appreciation for her. And I think that getting to the point in humanity where you can just connect with somebody because we're both human, we're both female, we have more similarities than we think we do. I have found that most countries that I go to, especially if you're far away, so the Middle East or Asia, they have this conception, depending on how international they are, but most people, most foreigners that haven't traveled abroad to the U.S. have this conception that everything's perfect in the United States. They really truly believe that we sort of have it. They, they watch Dallas on television. They watch these different television shows that paint this sort of you know, image of what it's like to be an American. And so when I'm bringing over films that show some vulnerability about Americans, right, the fact that we have a problem as, as women in the United States, we don't have, there's no gender parity yet, right, in most industries. There's a pay gap. And when I bring these issues to the attention of foreigners, they're often shocked. They think that only their country has that, or but certainly not the United States. So I think that in raising awareness that we as a country and we as citizens of the united states aren't perfect that we have our issues also i think it builds empathy for the united states and i think that's what is at the heart of this american film showcase it's not to say look how great we are look how amazing we are it's to share the fact that we too have problems and we're working on them and it really does build sort of camaraderie Often, if you are representing the United States, then foreign audiences believe that I appreciate or support everything that the United States represents. And it has been important to me, while respecting the fact that I'm basically an envoy for the State Department, how to emphasize that we are all individuals and that we have our own opinions and that we might not necessarily support all of the policies or the direction of the United States. I've been to countries where you can't speak up and you have to be careful about your opinions. In the United States, we're lucky because we have freedom of speech. And yet obviously as an envoy for the State Department, I'm not gonna go abroad and put down my own country, right? There have been many times traveling abroad with the State Department when I have thought, I wish my friends and family could be with me. Not so much to see me and what I'm doing, but more to experience what I'm experiencing. There's something so incredibly fulfilling about sharing a story, sharing my films that started as just a concept, an idea, and to think, this is crazy. I'm showing it abroad. I'm showing it in the Far East. Um, I'm showing it in the Middle East. It's crazy to me. And so there are times that I want to share that with people that I'm close to, just so that they can get the same appreciation for the connection between humans. The fact that these are issues that people can appreciate outside of U.S. borders. One of the subjects that the most recent film I made, which is called bias, one of the subjects that we cover is how artificial intelligence is biased, which was somewhat shocking to me when I first realized this. Because in my mind, if we're human and we have human brains, then we're gonna be biased and have unconscious biases. So maybe artificial intelligence is the answer. And yet because humans are programming artificial intelligence, you know, sadly, we're programming bias right into these algorithms. So there was an example that I used in a TED talk that I gave where if you Google the word grandma, what pops up in Google image search are predominantly older white women. That's not a fair representation of what the word grandma means the world over. So when I was in Bahrain, I was at a high school talking to this group of kids, and most of them had laptops in front of them. And so I said, do me a favor. In Arabic, do a Google search for the word grandmother and show me the images that pop up. And the same images popped up, even when they were writing in Arabic. I said, do any of you see any image of a woman that looks like your grandmother? Not one person raised their hand. Fascinating, right? So the fact that these sort of biases aren't just systemic, but they, in that case, are derived from the United States predominantly. But that was a fascinating moment for me, and what's what's really worrisome about that is the fact that if that data is being used to make decisions or to inform a computer through deep learning to make decisions about grandmas, then we're in trouble. when I think about tension in the world and hatred and bullying, it worries me because I feel as though that behavior is people living on this disconnected level. I think one of the ways that we can hopefully get beyond that is somehow to connect through empathy and understanding. How important it is to really be able to understand that somebody else that there's gotta be some connection. Whether you're a Democrat and they're a Republican, whether you're white and they're black, whether you're Christian and they're Muslim, there are commonalities. And when you're able to bridge those gaps and find that common thread that you inevitably have, you just might have to search for it. That's where the richest comes. That's where understanding comes. That's where empathy comes. And I think when we can get to that point, we can try to get beyond the tensions that we have, the friction that we have, whether it's political or religious or any other tension that arises. I mean, I don't want to sound so grandiose to say that, you know, that's, That's what my films do. I think they have been able to reach a certain amount of impact, and I'm hugely grateful for that. To me, being able to impact an audience, whether it's in the United States or abroad, is really why I do what I do. It's hugely fulfilling because it allows me to feel like, in some small way, I'm giving back. Or I'm allowing people to look inward. It's what I do, it's what it makes me do, right? I have to look inward when I'm making these films. In bias, I fully expose some of my biases. I take the implicit association test on screen and show the results, and I'm not proud of them. But I figure, how can I not be vulnerable if I'm expecting my audience to be vulnerable? And I don't ever want to make films that come across as a lecture or as though I'm pointing my finger or accusatory. It's more of an exploration. Being able to impact an audience, whether it's foreign or domestic, is really the core of my mission. I would just say that I hope this administration and the next administration continue to fund programs like American Film Showcase. Because it's beyond politics, right? It's really a way that we can connect with other countries. If we can build empathy abroad, if people can begin to realize that Americans aren't just what they see on television or in movies, but that Americans are concerned and are empathetic and are vulnerable, then I think that we're going to build better international relations.
0: This week, filmmaker Robin Hauser talked about her experiences screening two of her films, Code, Debugging the Gender Gap, and Bias, around the world as part of American Film Showcase, or AFS. For more about AFS and other ECA exchange programs, check out eca.state.gov. We encourage you to subscribe to 2233. You can do so wherever you find your podcasts. And we'd love to hear from you. You can write to us at ecacollaboratory at state.gov. That's E-C-A-C-O-L-L-A-B-O-R-A-T-O-R-Y at state.gov. Photos of each week's interviewee and complete episode transcripts can be found at our webpage at eca.state.gov 2233. Special thanks this week to Robin for taking time out from her busy schedule at South by Southwest in Austin, Texas, to meet me and share her stories. For more on her amazing work, I refer you to her website, finishlinefeaturefilms.com. I did the interview and edited this segment. Featured music was Arizona Moon, Are We Loose Yet, Basket Liner, Peacoat, and Quiet Still, all by Blue Dot Sessions. Music at the top of each episode is Sebastian by How the Night Came, and the end credit music is Two Pianos by Tagir Leus. Until next time.